If you are over 50 and have decided to move, how your move will unfold depends on answers to questions like, are you moving near to your current home or further away? And, are you downsizing, upsizing, or maintaining similar square footage? In this episode of the Senior Lifestyles Podcast, we'll cover these questions and more. Are you hitting a new phase in your life and starting to again wonder, what's next? As we reach the age of retirement and beyond, it calls for answers to new questions in our lives, such as, what's the deal with senior living? How does Medicare work? And how can I live my best life in retirement? In this podcast, we explore the answers to these questions and much more. This is Pete Kears, and welcome to the Senior Lifestyles Podcast. Brought to you by Cantissimo Senior Living. So let's say you've made the decision to move. That means you have many more decisions ahead. For example, are you moving near to your current home or further away? Are you downsizing, upsizing, or maintaining similar square footage? Are you renting or buying? Are you adding a second home? And what about timeshares or fractional ownership? First, let's consider how far away you're going. Moving is a big commitment, but the further you move, the greater the impact on factors like logistics, cost, time, and emotional dislocation. If you move nearby your current home, chances are you can maintain some of your existing routines. You may still be able to see friends and family with some frequency. You may continue to use your current healthcare and personal services providers. Overall, the disruption for your life will be lower compared to a longer distance move. Also, if your new home is under 50 to 100 miles away and within your existing state boundaries, getting your stuff from point A to point B would be considered a local move. Local moves can be done often in one day and cost less compared to a longer move. A move of over 100 miles and or across state lines is generally classified as a long-distance move. Such moves require more planning, cost more, and take more time. On top of this, once you land in your new home, you must adjust to many new situations and adapt, adapt your routines to the realities of the new location. Overall, the further you move, the need increases for planning and expectation management to ensure you appropriately prepare for the stress that will inevitably follow. Next, are you downsizing, upsizing, or staying the same? Most moves after age 50 probably fall into the downsizing category. An empty nest might mean you have more room than you need, so it's a great opportunity to get rid of stuff you probably won't use going forward. In another video, I cover downsizing and all the details that go into it. There is a small segment of older adults who upsize when they move. In a 2019 survey by the Dell Web Company, 22% of respondents plan to increase square footage in their new home. The three main reasons were finding a long-desired dream home, providing living space for aging parents, and having room for family visits. Upsizing-minded sellers in expensive real estate markets often seek to buy a larger home in other, less pricey localities. 
This phenomenon was on full view during the so-called Great Relocation during the COVID-19 pandemic, when many Americans found they could work from home just about anywhere they could find a solid internet connection. Unfortunately, retirees aiming to make moves to less expense locations are finding the work-from-home expatriates are driving up real estate prices in cities and towns that were formerly reputed to be low-cost. If you are moving and staying the same size, you'll need to ensure all your stuff fits into the new space. Just as downsizers must do, taking careful measurements of your new home will help determine if all your belongings will fit. You may also take this opportunity to replace furniture or other items, so make sure these acquisitions work in the new residence. Next, are you renting or buying your new home? When considering the question of buying or renting in retirement, there are several aspects to consider. First, let's talk about the pros and cons of ownership. On the pro side, ownership of a tangible asset results when you buy. There are tax benefits and you have stability. You're not at the whim of a landlord. The cons are you have up and downs in market value of your uh, purchased residence and you have to cover all the maintenance expenses and the insurance and property tax costs. And then there's the buying and selling efforts and costs that happen with home ownership. Then what are the pros and cons of renting? Well, renters have a lot of flexibility. They can often come and go more frequently than homeowners. Also, they don't have a lot of cash tied up they can use the cash they otherwise have put into a home asset for other things. They have less maintenance cost because it's built into their rent, as well as insurance coverage, which is also built into the rent. On the con side, they don't have any equity. They don't have an asset. And they're at the mercy of the landlord's action or inaction. Rarely can a renter remodel their unit and there are zero tax advantages for renting in most cases. Since there are compelling pros and cons for each alternative, the decision distills down to each individual's unique circumstances and attitudes. Study the details of each option and decide what fits best for you. Next, will your new home be a second home? Depending on your financial situation, having a second home for part of the year could be an option for retirement. However, The buy versus rent decision applies here too. Before buying a second home, carefully analyze the costs involved. Owning two properties results in all the costs of ownership times two. For wealthy families, this might not pose an issue. For most of us, however, it might be an ill-advised risk that could, in the worst case scenario, jeopardize an otherwise solid retirement plan. Even if you purchase a second home with the intent of earning income by renting the property a la Airbnb, there are significant costs and responsibility. It's important to carefully assess the impact on your time and your money. While these arrangements can work well, make sure you have a realistic understanding of what's involved. Renting a second home could reduce the risks associated with ownership. However, the caveats noted above in the rent versus buy section also apply to the second home scenario. While renting provides flexibility, you are also still at the mercy of the landlord.
Another aspect of second homes is the amount of time spent in each location. If both homes are in the same state, the time balancing question is mostly about lifestyle. However, if the two homes are in different states or countries, then tax issues arise. For example, having a home in Illinois and a home in Florida brings up the question of whether the owner of the homes is a subject to Illinois state income tax, since Florida has no state income tax. From a tax perspective, you can only be an official resident of one state. This is referred to as domicile, for which each state has its own definition. Make sure you understand the domicile rules for each state where you own a home so you don't run afoul of tax laws. Finally, you may be considering the option of a timeshare or fractional ownership arrangement. Seeking to find the best of both worlds, some alternative methods for acquiring a second home or vacation home have gained popularity over the years. One popular alternative is timeshares, which originated in Europe after World War II and migrated to North America in the early 1970s. A timeshare centers on the concept of divided use rights. This means more than one party has rights to use the property during a specified time period. Timeshares have a Jekyll and Hyde reputation in that they are often sold in high-pressure sales presentations that result in many cases of buyer's remorse. Frequently marketed as good investments, the Federal Trade Commission warns consumers to be wary of timeshare sales pitches and do the necessary homework to know exactly what you're buying. Another option is called fractional ownership. In this case, the buyer owns a legal real estate asset that can be sold or inherited. In a typical model, a person buys a share in a property and then a property management company handles scheduling, stocking restocking supplies, and maintenance. Many such arrangements allow for renting the property by the fractional owner, therefore creating a revenue stream. Also, in contrast to a usually low resale value of divided use timeshares, fractional ownership shares are usually easier to resell because of the underlying real estate asset. Overall, those moving to a new home later in life have many alternatives to consider. Doing careful research to answer the questions posed in this chapter will help ensure you find the right course for your particular situation. Thank you for listening. If you found this helpful, we appreciate it if you would please consider subscribing to the podcast so we can let you know when new episodes are released. In addition, please share and leave a review. To find more on this topic and others, including videos and ebooks, visit CantissimoSeniorLiving.com. This is Pete Kears with the Senior Lifestyles Podcast. Talk to you next time.